Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down and talk to singer-songwriter Dean Friedman and it's a lovely chat. Before we get on with that chat, a few thank yous. I'd just like to thank uh, Scroobies Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. Thank you to you lot uh, for continuing to support this podcast. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, then um, when you get to the end of uh, my chat with Dean, go and experience um, some other chats because... I've got over 300 now with a diverse uh, batch of guests. Um, You can hear me talking to um, Tommy Lee of Motley Crew. You can hear me talking to Fatboy Slim, Butch Fig, Foo Fighters, Papa Roach, Suede, Idols, Sleaford Mods, Blue Tones. Uh, Gosh, the list is endless. Um, James Acaster, Ed Gamble... Maisie Adam, uh, Maxine Peake, Joe Hartley, Michael Smiley, Thomas Turgus. So whether it's actors, comedians, musicians, DJs, producers, um, there's a stack. So go over there and you'll go, oh yeah. And you'll recognise a bundle of them. Um, Whatever you're into, there'll be something in there for you. Trust me. If you'd like to support the podcast uh, further than uh, rummaging in the archive, then uh, there's another archive. There's another archive that's never been released to the general public that's got 200 or so episodes in, um, radio shows, video episodes, and that's my Patreon, um, which is like a social media page. And you you pay like um, a contribution, and which can be as little as uh, $79, $79, 79-pence. Uh, a month so a dollar a month and uh and for that dollar a month uh you get access to that huge back catalog and as well as that weekly episodes that i put up over there upfront episodes you get them before they come out to the masses sometimes a few months ahead um so yeah you can find out about the patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track or anything to do with um this podcast merchandise back catalogue, Patreon, www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Don't think it's beat and track. It's beat and. See what I've done there? Beat and track. It's like a music thing. Right, let's get on with today's episode. Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track Podcast with Dean Friedman. 
Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Dean, how are you today? I am uh, hunky-dory, as they used to say. I'm, I'm not sure who actually used to say that, but I'm feeling uh, just fine. Uh, happy to be alive. Uh, I wish it were not uh, as hot and muggy as it is, but I can't complain too much. Where is it hot and muggy today? Where are you? I am in Peekskill, New York, uh, uh, not far from the Hudson River, about an hour north of New York City. It's sort nice. of a semi-rural uh, neck of the woods because uh, we've got a big backyard with lots of critters in it and, and uh, you know, uh, deer and skunk. Uh, every once in a while, a bear will wander through the yard Uh but wow. uh, there's also a multiplex and a shopping center five minutes away. So uh, it's the best of all worlds. Wonderful. Well, speaking about the world, and it's impossible to ignore what, what, what we've been experiencing for the last 15 months. Um, for the, the, the purpose to give some kind of timeline on this, we're recording this on the, the 15th of uh, July, which is um, in the week that the UK have announced that. Uh, the following week, all restrictions will be dropped, and venues and live music can all can all start again. Um, what's the situation like uh, where where you are, Dean? Well, it's a big country, and it varies by state to state. I'm in New York mm. State, which uh, had suffered some of the most severe impacts early on in the pandemic. Yeah, but now it seems to be very much opening up. Although there's this undercurrent of ongoing concern and anxiety about, uh, you know, all the uh, continually evolving variants and uh, sure. the vulnerable populations uh, that are still here. And, you know, the whole issue of, you know, religion and politics and uh, the attitude of people who have concerns uh, about the vaccines themselves, so it's it's still a mess, <laughs> but yeah, and, get, getting better. But if we just cast our mind back a little bit, um, we're going to cast our mind back way further shortly, and we're gonna we're gonna dig deep. But um, just to sort of sort of get a little bit of closure on what's been happening over the last sixty months, how, how have you found it personally, and and more importantly, how have you found it creatively the last fifteen months? Well, um, 
I, I can't help but keep in mind all, all, all the real suffering that that people have experienced around the world. Um, and uh, I'm also really conscious of the fact that my immediate family uh, has escaped that. And for the most part, you know, although we know some people who uh, have died because of COVID and uh, uh, suffered ongoing consequences still, you know, uh, who, who somewhat recovered from it. But for the most part, in my immediate family, uh, we have uh, escaped all that. Uh, and uh, in a weird way, and I'm sure this is true of almost every independent artist uh, or, or any artist to speak of, uh, you know, including all the musician friends I have, which is that it provided this uh, unexpected opportunity to really slow down and sort of recalculate and more fully engage in my art and craft uh, in, in ways that I, I never really had the opportunity to before. I just finished uh, recording my ninth studio album. Uh, and uh, it's really the first time in my recording career I really had an opportunity to slow down and really explore the the music I was writing and recording. And uh, it gave me an opportunity to more fully realize the vision I had trying to, to make this most recent record, uh, American Lullaby. And uh, it gave me more time to, to contemplate what the hell was going on. Yeah. <laughs> which I see as part of my job as an artist uh, to you know, express my thoughts and feelings uh, about my life and the world around me and the lives of friends and family and just uh, current events. Uh, I guess sort of a musical journalist to, to some degree. And there was surely a hell of a lot going on. <laughs> Okay, well let's let's um let's park up um discussions on 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 the the the, the, the terrible time that you know so many people have had uh, over the last fifteen years, and, and 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 let's spend a little bit of time talking about something positive and something that generally is a big provider of joy and has been for so many people over this recent time, and that's records. And and with that in mind, I'm going to start today's playlist. Um, by asking you, please, Ian, to tell me the song that you think has the greatest ever intro, please. Well, I'd have to say, uh, without thinking too long about it, that would be Day Tripper by the Beatles. Uh, and uh, I can hardly pick up a, a, a new or old guitar without trying out that lick. Is that the it's, lick you go for? Boom, ba ba Absolutely. Is that your go-to when you pick a guitar up? I guess it's uh, uh, it's something that really is evocative of being a kid starting out with my first guitar, loving the Beatles, yeah. and uh, you know slowing down the forty-five RPM singles to figure out what they were playing and the lick. You and, do that. Uh, you play at thirty-three to kind of get your head around it. 
uh, when I was first starting out, this is before tape, what <laughs> was readily available. Uh, that's how I learned the, the, the chords and bits and pieces on a new record. Absolutely. Incredible. I mean, the Beatles uh, didn't struggle with intros. Uh, a lot of people have gone for um, a previously chosen Hard Day's Night, just that called. And, uh, sure. Which, yeah, which is, uh, which is, is a good. I, I think if I had to choose a Beatles for an intro, hmm, Tomorrow Never Knows has got a good intro. Like, but I do think Paperback Writer. I just love that harmony at the beginning of the Paperback Writer before the, the guitars just kind of uh, chime in. But, yeah. I mean... In regards to, to, to songwriting, Dean, and and how people's um, means of listening to music have changed um, considerably in the time that you've been making music, we live in a world now, I see when I, I, I watch my children consume music, uh, where attention spans are moving quicker, um, songs seem to be getting almost shorter, um, you know, there's pressure from labels and radio stations for shorter edits. Um, I wonder, are these any things, are these any, you know, are any of those things considerations when you sit and write a, a song? Or are you comfortable in the format of a song is a song and it should, and it will come out as it comes out? Like, what's your approach to songwriting and how, how has it changed over the years? Do you, do you know where I'm going with that question, Dean? Yeah, absolutely. I can answer it by saying I love American Pie. Right. Which is, it, it's, uh, you know, it was the fastest selling uh, single of all time in the States, uh, yep. probably still to this day. And it was, you know, God knows, like eight, nine, ten minutes long. <laughs> yeah. And, and it went against all conventions uh, for delivering a single. Uh, so, so that sums up my attitude. Uh, it's, it's certainly never a consideration when I'm writing a song or when I'm producing a record. Uh, in fact, I spent, because I had the leisure of more time in the studio, I spent more time on this most recent album, American Lullaby, crafting interstitial segments, in, introductions to the songs uh, that sort of set the scene. Uh, and uh, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, I think it's, it's, it's terrible and criminal that the, the, the machine and mechanism for consuming music has led to everything getting shorter and tighter. No intros because if they don't like it the first, you know, 10 seconds, forget about it. Um, and, uh, I, I think that that dispenses with the whole world of, you know, creative beauty. And it indulges a, a kind of consumer impatience, uh, which should be avoided. Uh, having said all that, uh, you know, I hear it time and time again from anyone in the industry that if you want to send a single to, uh, you know, Radio 2 or to uh, Sirius or National, uh, you really need to have a radio edit. Now I'm familiar with radio edits because my first single Ariel came out of the box and uh, I had my first big fight with my label because uh, there was a line in one of the verses that described the character Ariel as a, uh, a Jewish girl, which, you know, in my mind she was. And uh, 
they were very self-conscious. They, 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 they insisted stations in the South would use that as an excuse not to play the record. I had to fight. Wow. I had to fight to keep the lyric intact on, on the album itself, which I did. Um, and to my uh, delight, Stations in the South actually refused to play the edited single. <laughs> they played the full-length track from the album, uh, which uh, pleased me no end. But, oh, uh, you know, it's just an example of the, the self-consciousness uh, uh, of industry concerns, which you can't discount uh, completely when you're trying to n- navigate the industry. But creatively... I think you have to dismiss them uh, out of your hand, out of hand, uh, from your mind right off the bat, because that, that, that's uh, you know not what creativity is about. Now, economy and minimalism is a form of creativity, so that's great. But but uh, the idea that uh, to get on the Spotify playlist, you have to uh, bang into the chorus within three seconds, uh, to me, seems insane. I agree. I completely agree. I'm going to take you back um, and I'm going to um, ask you uh, for a song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Well, uh, I, 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 I'm going to offer up uh, what might be considered a curious one. It's Office of Do you know what? I've just realized, I've just realized I've gone for track three. I'm, I'm, we should be on track two. That's my bad. All I right, apologize. I'll let you so, start again. Uh, so um, I'm going to take you back still. Uh, and I want to know the first song you remember hearing, Dean, that had an emotional impact on you, please. Well, I, I would have to say The Boxer uh, by Paul Simon. Uh, uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, because... Uh, it was a time in my life. I was early adolescence. I, uh, <laughs> it's funny. My my siblings and I uh, filled out one of those uh, Columbia Records uh, cards uh, to subscribe to Columbia Records, and we didn't know yet to pay for this stuff. So we filled it out and sent it out, and we started getting this was eight track cassettes in the mail, um, and uh, it, it, you know it was. Uh, you know, stuff by Paul Simon and uh, uh, Dylan and uh, just really great classic tracks on 8-cassette. And the only stereo we had was this 8-cassette player. And there were two speakers that were on top of the piano, upright piano. And I used to work at uh, an amusement park late hours. And I would come home 2, 3 in the morning exhausted. And I would set those speakers down on the piano and I would lean my head in the middle of the speakers and I would play those records, and it, you know, for uh, an, an exhausted and angsty uh, adolescent, uh, all those songs had a profound impact. And there was something about the boxer, even though <laughs> I was never, a, you know, a pugilistic uh, art uh, <laughs> aficionado. Uh, there was something about the, the song and the music and the emotion. Uh, that it evoked that uh, really touched me. Uh, you could you could sense that kind of hopelessness and despair, uh, and you know, wishing for a, a, a better circumstance. And uh, it uh, it was evocative and resonated with that 
you know, <laughs> still oblivious, naive adolescent youth from New Jersey. You mentioned there was upright piano and, and, and big speakers at home. Uh, was you exposed to, you know, lots of music growing up? Was it a musical house? Well, my mom uh, was a uh, singer and performer and uh, did Broadway and, and film. And uh, so there, it, I did grow up in a house filled with music. There, there was always some Broadway show tune on the piano. Um, and uh, there was just, you know, music in the house. And uh, it inevitably uh, was going to be part of my life no matter what I did. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, so... Um, yeah, those were my early influences. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humor in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range. And it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. Let's move forward then to um, the, the third track where, you know, I imagine that kind of goals and plans to, to, to pursue a more musical-focused path, I would imagine, started to shape at this point. Um, and... So with that in mind, I'm going to ask you for track three, please, to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, Dean. Well, uh, it, it might sound unexpected, but uh, given what I just explained about, uh, you know, growing up in, in my household uh, with my mom being a, a, a professional singer and performer, I would have to answer uh, G, Officer Grupke from West Side Story by Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim. Uh, that played a lot in our house, uh, you know, the whole West Side Story soundtrack. Leonard Bernstein was a huge influence uh, musically on, on uh, what I do as a songwriter. Um, uh, maybe even Stephen Sondheim to a, a lesser degree. But the, the, this, that song in particular, as, as a kid sort of just becoming aware of the world around me uh, and getting inklings of what the adult world was like uh, – that song sprinkled all these references and ideas uh, about that, that, that might have been considered risque, even in an adult context at, in the day. Um, but as a, a young person listening to it, I thought, "Wow, they're they're, a lot, they're talking about those subjects and saying those things." Uh, uh, um, uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot, a lot of hilarious l l l l lyrics in it. I mean, it's a lot of things like you know. Uh, I had marijuana. I said, you won't give me a puff. Uh, my brother wears, uh, my sister wears a mustache. My brother wears a dress. Golly, that's why I'm a mess. Gee, you officer Krupke. Anyway, it, it, it was filled uh, musically and lyrically with a, a, a glimpse of the world outside that was not really spoken of <laughs> in, yeah. in normal conversation or in school. 
so in that context, a song like that really sort of opened my mind, my, my, yeah. my mind and my eyes. Um, and uh, also set the stage uh, for me as a songwriter to h- how you can really uh, poke fun at the world uh, sure. in, in, in clever, creative ways. Where was where was school? Where did you where was you growing up? Well, I had a curious uh, education. I my early years I spent uh, I grew up in Paramus, New Jersey, deep in the bosom of suburbia, uh, you know, an idyllic place, tree lawn streets, uh, shopping centers, bowling alleys. Uh, it, it was a it was a really nice place to grow up. Uh, in fact, for years, I thought the whole world looked like Paramus, New Jersey. I, I, I later discovered that was not the case. Um, and I went to elementary school uh, just a few blocks away down the hill, uh, Ridge Ranch School. In fact, we had a duck named Belinda. And uh, on many occasions, Belinda would follow me to school uh, and until the, the crossing guard, the, the lady at the, at the crosswalk leading up to the school, told me one day, Dean, you can't have Belinda follow you to school anymore. It's disruptive. And and she warned me that if if, if I let Belinda follow me to school again, she was going to put Belinda in handcuffs. And I just had visions of our duck in little duck handcuffs. Uh, and so anyway, that was the last time Belinda followed me to school. Uh, so I, I went to a suburban public school, uh, although in fifth grade, uh, my mom, for whatever reason, she had these romantic uh, illusions about uh, what a, uh, a, a yeshiva education uh, would give me. That's a, you know an Orthodox Jewish uh, day school first, and then a, a sleepaway school. So for uh, fifth and sixth grade, uh, and then part of uh, my uh, high school years, I, I spent time in these yeshivas. Uh, now, I, my, I was never raised Orthodox. We didn't keep kosher. Uh, my mom raised, you know, like lit candles on sa- uh, Shabbos. That was, that was about it, the extent of it. Um, but anyway, she sent us to the school. Uh, it was a curious experience. It, it, uh, it exposed me to another world, and uh, I... I I came out of it with an appreciation for the beauty, the the beautiful aspects of religion, but also a, a very healthy skepticism for the hypocritical uh, elements of fundamentalism. Uh, and uh, so that kind of sums up my uh, education to a degree. <laughs> okay. And, and and whilst this was going on, did you have a, a clear idea of what you wanted to do when you finished school? Well, as I say, uh, I I just took for granted that music was going to be a big part of my life. Um, but it wasn't until my teen years in high school that I started doing coffee houses and and gigs, uh, and, and you know they'd throw you a few bucks uh, to get up on stage. That it occurred to me, hmm, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of neat getting paid for something I love to do anyway, uh, and. It was also at a time, you know, little kids grown up uh, for so long, they you know, want to be a cowboy or an astronaut. Uh, but at that time, the, the thing that a lot of kids aspired to be growing up was to be a singer-songwriter. Yeah. And uh, it was that era. And so I, I couldn't help but have that 
as a potential aspiration in the back of my mind as well. And uh, at the age of 15, I started sending out demos to all the major labels uh, in the United States, got rejection letters from every one of them, put those rejection letters on the wall as a perverse inspiration. Uh, and uh, yeah, just kept doing what I did and writing songs and, uh, and pursuing it. And uh, I, I guess I never stopped. In, in regards to um, those early shows and, and, and you know, singing in coffee houses and things like that, was you confident? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I had uh, an inexplicable <laughs> uh, exuberance and, and confidence in what I was doing. Uh, and I think in part because it just felt so good to do. So it wasn't so much as a matter of confidence as it was sheer joy uh, yeah. to get up on stage and play and sing and and engage with an audience that you know was always enthusiastic and reactive. So uh, uh, you know, I guess the confidence came after a while, sensing that this was something that I could do that people enjoyed. Uh, but to start off with, it was just fun. Yeah. Track four. I'm going to ask you, please, Dean, to tell me the first song you remember buying from a record store. Well, I referenced that earlier. Uh, it was Last Train to Clarksville by the Monkees. <laughs> what, a, what a great record. And curiously enough, you previously uh, noted uh, Paperback Writers, which, mm. as I understand it, was uh, the inspiration for the opening guitar lick uh, and the general feel and, and rhythm of uh, Last Train to Clarksville. Now you've said that, I can totally get it. I'd never have worked that out otherwise. Wow, yeah. And uh, apparently the writer, and I'm embarrassed because I, I, I forget his name offhand, but I'm sure it's easily findable on Google, um, uh, was p pitching songs to the monkeys. He had heard Paperback Writer 
and he misheard the lyric. He thought he was that, that Paul McCartney was singing "Last Train to Clarksville," uh, and somehow he said, "Well, if if Paul didn't actually sing that lyric, I'm going to sing what I thought he said." <laughs> and he wrote the song, uh, pitched it, uh, and it uh, became the first hit record for the Monkees. And a, a song that I just loved as a kid learning guitar for the first time. And as I said, I bought the, the 45 RPM. I slowed it down so that I could figure out the, 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 the chords and, more importantly, the opening lick. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, in regards to record stores, like how important a place were they for you growing up? Um, uh, forgive me, could you repeat that again? Because I just went to grab my guitar to do this. Take the last... Anyway, just... just You can hear Paperback Writer as well. You really can. You can, can, absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Um, The the, the question I was going to ask, Dean, was just about record stores. and Were they an important place for you growing up? Well, um, they were a, 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 an amazing place to walk in and and sense not just you know the, the the contemporary music that you were being exposed to you know on your transistor radio mm-hmm. uh, or just you know just subliminally wherever you weren't but but walking into a record store. Uh, confronted you with the fact that there was this vast universe of music you'd never heard of. Yeah. And uh, it was infinite. (laughs) There was never enough time to really explore all this music. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was just when it was a physical brick and mortar place. I mean, I feel uh, envious and a little sorry for kids today being exposed to the internet where uh, there genuinely is an infinite uh, uh, variety uh, uh, of choice uh, of musical uh, of music of every idiom, um, and uh, you know it, 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 it's it's a it's a blessing and a little daunting at the same time. My, my son Sam is a teenager. I, I once you know, he once showed. Oh, look! Here's my uh, hard drive. Here's the songs I have in it. He had every album I had ever heard of growing up. And a hundred times more than that, and had listened to so much uh, more kinds of music than I had ever been exposed to, you know, even in my adult life now. Uh, and uh, you know, I can't help but think that it, 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 it informed what he does, and he's a great musician as a result. Uh, so, uh, yeah, walking into a music store in the day uh, was always. Uh, 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 a heart quickening experience. Absolutely. For track five, Dean, I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that soundtracked your years clubbing. Yeah, well, that never happened. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a singer songwriter coffee house kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but having said that, I really appreciated uh, all kinds of idioms. My, you know, I, I, I just love music. So what comes to mind when you ask a question like that would be Miss You by the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Uh, because there's an example of, you know, just a, one of the greatest rock bands in the world uh, paying 
some kind of heed to the inevitable ongoing uh, uh, dance idiom. And, Absolutely. And, and, and creating, uh, you know, a, a, a club mix uh, that is a killer record. It's a great record. So, uh, you know, props to uh, the Stones for uh, for getting over themselves long enough to 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 give their version of uh, the latest uh, style. Absolutely, absolutely, and I'm sure that around that time there was lots of places that would have thought disco was a dirty word, and. That that nod to it by the Stones there, I think, was beautiful. I think it's a, it's a great record, and it you know, it it suits any kind of dance floor. It's uh, it's got a groove to it. That record that's that's infectious as hell, and it, and it doesn't sacrifice anything, uh, any part of the, the fundamental Stone ethos, completely, you know, which is sort of raw, dirty, genuine yeah. sentiment. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's take you home for track 16, and I'm going to ask you for a favourite song from your uh, from an artist from your home county, please. Oh, you know what? Uh, you have to forgive me because I misread that as country. <laughs> Do you know what? I need to put, when I send these questions, I need to put it in big, bold letters because of the 330-odd podcasts I've recorded, you're probably the 310th that said that. So don't worry. You're in very good company, Dean. Okay. <laughs> country. Well, Let's go country. All right. In any case, yes, in terms of country, uh, and in a way, it's also within the realm of country, but I, I, I really think it transcends that one idiom uh, in a lot of ways. And, and uh, my pick would be a new favorite uh, performed by Alison Krauss, uh, written by David Rawlings and Jillian Walsh. Uh, it's just... First of all, Alison Krauss says, I just love her voice. That's beautiful. Uh, uh, and uh, the way she sings this beautiful song is is just sublime. Every time I hear it, it just, it, whatever, it, it just sort of grabs my heart and soul and sits me down and says, shut the fuck up and listen to this. Yeah. With that in mind, Dean, like, um, songs that pull at your heart if you wake up and uh and you're feeling a little blue you you know you're having a a, a low day do you reach for day tripper by the beatles or are you happy to immerse that emotion and process it and and wrap it in a blanket with some some music that sounds right at that point do you know what i'm saying are you happy to listen to if you're feeling sad do you reach for a sad record um, you know, it, it's kind of funny. I, I, if I ponder that question, the, the truth of the matter is, is if I'm feeling really, really sad, I reach for my guitar or a piano. Okay. And uh, I try and work out that sadness uh, by writing myself out of it. Sure. Uh, now, there are also plenty of occasions where I'll, I'll sit and, and, and luxuriate or soothe myself. Uh, and, and music, you know, like I just mentioned, uh, you know, Alison Krauss singing or, you know, just favorite albums. Uh, I know a lot of people have been talking about Joni Mitchell's Blue Album uh, that, you know, it was a huge impact. In fact, 
for years, I jokingly said, before I ever got a record deal, is that the reason I wanted to get in the music business was to sleep with Joni Mitchell. Because it seemed like she slept with everybody in the business. So, but, uh, but, but not meaning no disrespect to her. Because uh, she is, you know, one of the greatest singer-songwriters of our era. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as a songwriter starting out, uh, it was the sheer poetry of her writing, uh, her words and her music, uh, and uh, the consummate musicality uh, that she brought to it all, you know, you know plus her just idyllic singing voice. So I, I, I couldn't help but be influenced in a major way by her songs uh, and by their, st- their structure and delivery and um, uh, the way she painted pictures with words and music and obviously because she's a painter she approached songs the same way uh to the degree where she would uh, imbue those lyrics with with all all your senses and and sights and sounds and even to the degree that light was a part of it um you know uh but but by the blue tv screen light i drew a map of canada Uh, and you know that's such an evocative image it really transport the listener to that setting. Uh, and uh, as a young songwriter growing up, those kinds of songs, that kind of writing, uh, was something I aspired to do myself. Uh, and still to this day, when I sit down to write a song, that that's my goal is to, uh, I think of myself as a, 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 someone who writes short stories set to music. And my ultimate goal is to really try and transport that listener into the song to, to make them part of the song, uh, you know, cause as a listener experiencing a song that gives me the most pleasure. And I, I'm trying to do that uh, as a writer as well. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Well, for the last track, uh, you get to introduce someone to something new. And I'm going to ask you for track seven, please, Dean, to tell me a song that many people may not know, but you would like them to hear. Well, um, I, what comes to mind is a song that even thinking about the title makes me laugh. And it's Simon Smith and the Amazing Dancing Bear by Randy Newman. I should say by the great Randy Newman. 
Uh, I know a lot of people are only familiar with him from the music he, he's done for Toy Story, which is great stuff. You know, I'm really glad for him. Uh, but the stuff he's done for grownups is uh, is is just brilliant. Uh, and uh, again, talking about telling stories, painting pictures with your words and music, transporting the listener. Well, that's what Randy Newman does. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, also he does it with a, a, a sort of a subtle wry sense of humor that sneaks up at you and sometimes just bangs on the head, uh, making you break out in laughter. Uh, he, what he does is <laughs> just amazing. But he is uh, sort of uh, casual and nonplussed about it. Uh, which is what I love about what he does. People listening to a lot of early Randy Newman might consider it uh, idiosyncratic. Um, some of them might be dismissed as novelty records, but they're, they're anything but that. Uh, they're just beautiful, brilliantly crafted, hilarious songs. Uh, not all hilarious. Some are, are poignant, and even the hilarious ones can be poignant and, and heartrending. Uh, but a song like Simon Smith and the Amazing Dancing Bear uh, – I don't even know what it's about. I mean, I know literally what it's about. You know, it's about some guy who uh, makes a living uh, entertaining rich folks uh, with his amazing dancing bear. Um, but what does that mean? I, I have no idea. But there's something about the song and the words and the music combined and the way he delivers uh, that song that lifts your spirits, that that just tickles your 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 heart and mind in a way that you realize you know what anything is possible in this world and all the conventions and conformity uh that society demands of us in, in every aspect of our lives uh at the end of the day is superfluous <laughs> it's irrelevant because uh it, you know a song like Simon Smith and the Amazing Dancing Bear basically gives you license to, to, to look at life in a totally different perspective um, and to delight in the absurdity of it and uh, even in little small things that make absolutely no sense at all. Well, we can introduce people to that because we do put a Spotify playlist uh, together, Dean, to accompany this podcast so people can go and listen to all of the songs that you've um, chosen today that we've discussed. And as we find ourselves... Uh, looking towards a, a much brighter end to this year than uh, than to how it started. Uh, with that in mind, Dean, um, what are you looking forward to uh, from the rest of 21 uh, personally and what's going to be happening professionally? Personally, <laughs> I just uh, wish my family and friends good health, and well-being. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, I would extend that to the world in general. Uh, professionally, <clears throat> I am really psyched uh, about uh, releasing, in really just a, a, a couple of weeks' time, my, my uh, brand-new album. It's my ninth studio album. It's titled American Lullaby. And it's my, you know, going back to your first question, it's my 
personal take on all the the crazy stuff that has happened here in America and around the world yeah. for the last really six years. Uh, you know, ever since uh, 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 an insane uh, uh, orange-haired toddler somehow wound up uh, in, in the White House uh, and his um, his equally bad-haired day, uh, everyday uh, <laughs> uh, mini-me uh, across the pond. Um uh, 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 leading up to and exacerbating the the pandemic, yeah. uh, the just the the mind spinning uh, disarray that everyone has experienced, uh, and, and essentially the global trauma that we've endured, and that is we're still in the middle of processing and trying to understand and are going to, we're going to be processing this era for the next hundred years um, uh, until we have some sense of what the hell happened. Um, And uh, admittedly, even though I write all about it on this album, 12 tracks, trying to explore it and examine it and understand it, I remain completely befuddled and bewildered uh, (laughs) because everything that just happened is inexplicable. Uh, but yeah. again, as a songwriter, uh, part of me can't help but try and express it in, in a song uh, and hope to share that with people and maybe give them some kind of solace or, you know, a giggle. Uh, so it's called American Lullaby, uh, which is a reference to the title track, American Lullaby. Um, uh, and uh, I, I, it occurred to me that I couldn't really explain or, or hope to attempt to explain what's going on now uh, without providing a context for it historically, because we didn't just get here overnight. It started a long time ago. So uh, uh, the title track American Lullaby goes back really 400 years uh, to uh, America's uh, creation and, and, and the, the America we know of as today, its mm-hmm. creation 400 years ago, uh, and including our, our two original sins, the, the massacre of the indigenous population uh, that had been living here for thousands and tens of thousands of years or more, uh, certainly more, uh, and uh, slavery. Uh, and I tack on to that our uh, just inexplicable uh, obsession and addiction to guns. Uh, which is unique to this country uh, compared to the whole rest of the, the world. And uh, so American Lullaby, the title track of the album, tries to address those issues. Now, it's a big challenge to try and put 400 years of uh, history uh, in, in a, uh, a pop song. Uh, but uh, I did my best. Uh, and uh, I see it as a lullaby because uh, – like all lullabies, and I think this is true of lullabies in every culture around the world, uh, they tend to be riddled with very dark images uh, of terrible things that happen to children. Uh, even if something like as seemingly benign as Rockabye Baby. Uh, yeah, you know, about Rockabye Baby harrowing. on a treetop, uh, when the wind blows, the cradle will rock. Uh, when when the, the bow will break and the cradle will come tumbling down, cradle and all on the baby's head, you know it's, you know that's horrible, and yeah. yet it, it's sung to this innocent infant uh, in these soothing, comforting tones. Um, 
And uh, I, I can't help but think that that's uh, a, a, a deft and sneaky way of imparting vital information about uh, the terrible things that can happen in life, but uh, to do it in, in, in a way that doesn't scare the shit out of the little kid. Um, yeah. And uh, so I try to do that on this album. <laughs> uh, it, it tells the story of America and, and all the crazy stuff we've gone through, uh, but tries to do it uh, in a gentle, comforting way. And I try to do that. That's really my intent for the whole album, because it covers topics uh, across the board. It deals with the pandemic and uh, the pending uh, climate crisis and racism and sexism and uh, classism and uh, all the isms that you can think of that we're struggling with at the moment. You know, the West Coast of America is on fire. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so um, uh, I, I try to sum it up in this album. Uh, it was a challenge, uh, but I'm really proud of the results. And uh, I'm really eager and excited about people getting a chance to hear it uh, and getting their reactions. Because so far, they, they've been really, really positive. And if people want to keep up to speed with uh, releases, gigs, etc., everything that you're up to, where's the best place to, to keep up to speed with you, Dean? Uh, I invite your listeners to just visit my website. It's deanfriedman.com, uh, and Friedman is F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. So that's deanfriedman.com, uh, and uh, they're all my recording uh, updates and all my – CDs and catalog uh, is available there as well as uh, listings for all my upcoming concert dates, uh, uh, a mix of virtual dates in 2021 uh, and actual live on the, uh, the road uh, on site gigs uh, starting in uh, April, 2022. And uh, so all that's on deanfriedman.com plus I'm on all the social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, uh, Twitter. Uh, just type my name in Google and, and you'll find all these different places. But the best thing is to get on my email list because then I can reach you directly. Uh, just send me an email, dean at deanfriedman.com. And I mentioned the online uh, gigs. Uh, and uh, just to, to make mention of the fact that uh, I'm doing uh, what will be my uh, 18th year at the Edinburgh French Festival. And uh, but this is going to be my first year doing it virtually because of the recent lockdown extension. Uh, it just was impossible for me to uh, to confirm plans to, to be there on site, not knowing what the yeah. hell was going to happen. Um, but I've been doing these monthly as as has every other indie musician or, you know, every musician of every ilk. I've been doing these uh, monthly webcasts uh, via Zoom. And it's at first I st- uh, approached it with some trepidation because. I thought, wow, this you know, this this virtual distance. It's not going to have the same feel as a live gig, and it's true. It doesn't have the same feel as a live gig, but it, I've learned, having done this for many months now, it has this really weird intimacy about it that, that even a live gig doesn't have. And, and for a couple of uh, unexpected reasons, one is when I'm doing a live gig, I look at, I can see the faces on the people in the first couple of rows. After that, it's kind of a blur. Um, but uh, in a virtual gig, I see everybody's faces, everybody in the gallery, everybody in the room that's watching this. I see their faces up close. I see the expression on their faces. I see right into their living rooms. And I see, you know, pets jumping up on their laps and their friends and their family wandering in and out. And I see what they're eating for a snack. Uh, and that, that's quite remarkable and unlike a live gig. 
And uh, I would add that the same is true for the audience, because if you think about it, if you're at a live gig sitting in the audience, all you really are seeing is me on stage and the back of people's heads. Yeah. You don't see anyone in back of you or to your sides uh, or really in front of you other than their haircut. Um, but in a live Zoom concert, uh, as I've come to learn, the audience not only sees each other up close and personal, but they can chat in real time uh, while the concert's going on without interrupting me. <laughs> and that's kind of amazing because what it does is it really does foster this community uh, experience that, um, that I've really come to value and appreciate. So I mentioned all this by way of prefacing that I'm doing six nights, virtual gigs at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, uh, August 13, 14, and 15, and then, then next weekend, August 20, 21, and 22. And the tickets are available right now on my website, uh, at deanfriedman.com, also at the edfringe.com website. And uh, I'm going to be premiering my new album, American Lullaby, uh, which is officially released August 27th, but you can pre-order it right now on my website. Um, And uh, so it's going to be a virtual 90-minute concert where I uh, I sing all the songs in the album and and, and talk about them, what was on my mind, uh, what made me write them in the first place, Uh, uh, try to, to provide a context uh, an introduction, if you will, yeah. for what the songs are about. And and what I'll do is I'll add the uh, links to um, the Fringe and stuff like that on the, the, the bio to the company's this podcast so people can just go there, check out the Spotify playlist, check out the links to your website. Thank and, you. Uh, and, and head over to uh, the Fringe site as well. Dean, it's been an absolute pleasure talking records with you. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your time today. Best of luck with the shows, best of luck with the record, and yeah, best of luck with getting back out on the road in 2022. Uh, and uh, it's it's mutual, Stu. I wish you all the same. Uh, this this was great fun, uh, and, and it's, it's great having an opportunity to actually talk about music and records and uh, and the songs themselves. Uh, so yeah, have a good one, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much, <laughs> Dean. Thank you. There you go. Thank you very much, Dean Friedman. What an absolute gentleman. Um, really good. To, I mean, reach for the guitar. Got an impromptu blast of uh, the monkeys. Did not expect that. Um, glorious chat. Um, yeah, super, super nice dude. Uh, hope you enjoyed it uh, too. Um as mentioned at the beginning, um, if you did enjoy this podcast, then go check out the back catalogue. Over 300 episodes now. Go and get stuck in. Um, 200 episodes on the Patreon. And obviously, every week, um, I put out plenty more. So, uh, yeah, everything you need to know, www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. And I'll see you next time. Be excellent to each other. Much love. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. You've made Stu with him. Ain't a monkey.